What's up, guys? This is Jacob with Premium Sports Talk Podcast. I've got Ben. I've got Luke with me today. Uh, and we are going to be talking about words, trades, phones. We got everything flying today. And so we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I really don't even know where to start. So, Ben, how about you get it going? Jacob, I'm like Little Caesars. I'm hot and ready, baby. Let's <laughs> talk about some words that have been flying. You know what, Jacob? Can we first just say it's about time that we got the A-team to talk about the words, the phones, the trades, everything that's going on in the sports world. So first, let's talk about the words that have been flying in the NBA. And when I think about this, I think of two specific things. First, let's start off with the words and the phrases around the Lakers are still 30 and 36. 30 and 36. They're the same as they were last year. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. I mean, are you kidding me right now? Now, I know Luke knows more about – he's a LeBron fan. He loves LeQueen. We know you do, Luke. So, <laughs> please enlighten me. How are the Lakers the same as they were last year after gaining, in your words, the most valuable player in the NBA ever? How does that happen? Well, look, I mean, I'll keep it short and sweet. I mean, you look where they were at up until Christmas. They were fourth in the West. LeBron gets hurt. He misses, I think, 19 games. And I can't remember how many. I think they win four out of those 19 games. And they dropped him all the way out to, I think, ninth in the West when he came back. And even when he came back, he still wasn't. He's not 100%. So, I mean, you can't really blame LeBron on this. Uh, right. I, I mean, it, it, it's tough to blame a guy who, you know, he's not feeling 100% because he spends his nights in the studio with two chains sipping wine and then, has, you know, he's on load management. So, yeah, it, it's tough to blame and that's understandable. No, and I agree, but I think this year was more of a, uh, it's not a win now year this year with him. I think it's more of build out and see who he can recruit for next year. Right. So. Well, Luke, I think you said something profound there. You said, let's keep this short and sweet, and I think that's a testament to LeBron's career in L.A. It's short and sweet, baby. <laughs> it's time to get out. You ain't doing nothing. You are not – he's not doing jack. I mean, listen, this is my problem. Talk about throwing words. Let's throw words. My problem with LeBron and all his fans, everybody makes excuses for the best player ever. I mean, come on. I feel like we talking about practice. I feel like Allen Iverson again. <laughs> talking about the greatest player in people's minds. And I've never seen someone have as many excuses made up for them as for LeBron James. I'm sorry. I think it's shocking. You know what? I should get off my soapbox. I agree with Jacob. He's hanging out with people. He's out clubbing. Not smart. Be professional. Hey. Not behind you. Let's talk now, about of Russell Westbrook because I'm I'm too fired up, too fired up. <laughs> All right, well for for Ben's blood pressure's sake, uh, as he kind of mentioned and alluded to there, uh, you know we have some other things kind of happening in the NBA. You know where it's not happening in Los Angeles, it is definitely happening in Oklahoma City. <laughs> and of course, we saw last night uh, that Russell Westbrook confronted a fan and his wife, um, and apparently there were uh, some words flying back and forth. And the fan used a, a comment, something along the lines of get down on your knees like you're used to. Uh, and, of course, Westbrook considered that comment to be 
racist, to be inappropriate. Um, and uh, he's, he's quoted as saying, for me, I'm just not going to continue to take disrespect from my family. I just think there's got to be something done. There's got to be some consequences for those type of people that come to the game just to say and do whatever they want to say. It's not fair to the players uh, or to myself or to my family. So going off that, Luke, I'll kind of pass this one to you. Uh, you know, does Russell Westbrook have a point? I mean, are fans getting out of control? Yeah, I mean, well, last night, you know, that what was said was totally uncalled for. I mean, the thing with fans, you know, no matter how much they spend, you know, you can spend $5,000, $10,000, get courtside seats, you know, right beside the bench, right behind them. You can be close enough to Russell Westbrook. You can smell what type of deodorant he has on. I mean, you shouldn't be saying things like that. So that that was totally uncalled for. And I understand Westbrook's frustration. You know, like when you're taking shots at his family and even throwing race car, like when he wants to be racist, you know, that's, that's totally uncalled for. And that fan should have been thrown out from the game. So, you know, I don't agree with some of the things Westbrook said with the language and all that. But, I mean, I totally understand his frustration. And, you know, the NBA should look into that. And that guy, you know, probably shouldn't be allowed back into a game. You know, as a fan, you shouldn't say things like that. So, Yeah, and I think the other thing as well, and the unfortunate part of this, is because Westbrook turned around and not only started screaming at, at the fan, uh, whose name is Shane Keisel, but started yelling towards his wife as well and, and was on video um, using a lot of expletives and threatening not only the man but his wife. And so unfortunately, while we would like to put the focus on the fact that, you know, as unfortunate as it is, that there are racial comments that happen more than likely in, in, in more arenas than not, but now we have to put the focus on is Russell Westbrook in the right for turning around and yelling at this fan and yelling at his wife. So Ben, I mean, from a, I guess from a moral standpoint, like what do you think about that with uh, Westbrook? Man, it's a, it's a hard thing to be a part of. Cause one thing we know about Russell is he has a lot of passion. He's emotional. Um, we know this. I mean, just last week, we saw the altercation with the kid. He turned around, but as soon as he saw it was a kid, he, he collected himself because he didn't want to go off on the kid. But even last year, I believe it was last year in the playoffs, didn't they lose and get knocked out by the Jazz? Or am I misremembering? Yeah. Either way, there was a game last year in Utah where uh, Russell slaps a phone out of a – or tries to slap a phone out of a fan's hands because it's in his face, and then he yells at another fan. And – Let's be honest and let's be fair. Not Yes, Russell is emotional. But that arena is known in the NBA as one of the worst. And the reality is, is you never know what's going on in a guy's heart and in a guy's mind. And so we don't know what happened to Russell before the game, during the game. We don't know. He could have been sitting on the edge. And so all it takes sometimes is a little bit too much probing to push someone over the line. And I would definitely seem to agree that the fan was probably being racist. I know a lot of people have been talking about, was he actually being racist? And I know the fan says, no, I told him to go ice your knee. But the reality is, is now social media lets us keep track of what's in people's hearts. Right. And we see that this fan hates Russell and he has made comments that are racist in the past on his social media. And so for Russell to blow up, there had to be something that happened. But here's my question. 
yeah, I don't think Russell should have threatened him or his wife. I don't think that's right in any in any arena at all. But here's the question: What does the NBA do? Like Jacob, what what can we do to keep this from happening again? Because if you tell an usher or you tell a security guard, "Hey, this guy's too much," there's a good chance he'll get thrown out. But how do you help draw the line? Because I think Luke alluded to this earlier. They think that because they bring the money to the court, they have a right to critique. They have a, a right to be part of the action, to say whatever they can say. And let's be honest, part of the game that brings life and fun to it is trash talking. You're going to oh, want yeah. to You're going to want to make them miss. But how does the NBA now, going on from here, draw the line for fans? Because I think it's only going to get worse. And I think what fans are doing has always been there. What I'm saying is going to be worse are the players' reactions. Yeah, and we're living in a more sensitive time to where players are going to be reacting more strongly. How does the NBA control it? Well, and I I totally agree. You said one thing there in that you feel like that the fans, that they've always been there. And I think that's important to understand is that as the NBA or as individual arenas, uh, you cannot control what goes on in a fan's heart and and how they believe, no matter how messed up it is. Uh, you know, if if a fan has grown up racist and tends to hold racist viewpoints, unfortunately, you as the NBA can do nothing about that. What you can do, however, is when that spills over into a public arena, and not only spills over into a public arena, but is directed towards one of the guys who really is responsible for that large fan base in Oklahoma City. You have to take care of that, and you have to have a zero-tolerance policy. Uh, at, at that point, I feel like you do have to take the side of the players. You know, I, I don't think that these players are just going to cry wolf over some horrific racist comments. I think that if they're actually there, they're going to let you know. Uh, and I think the players need to know that the arena staff and that the league, that they are on their side with this. Because I think so many times these players feel alone when they're on the court. And if if a comment gets said or or they feel like that, you know, they have just been talked down to simply because of the color of their skin or, or whatever it might be, then they need to know that there are people behind them who back them and will take care of them in the event that a situation like this happens. So I, that's just kind of my, you know, my, my viewpoint on that and how I think arenas can crack down on it. Um, and, and not to move on from this, obviously, because it is a very, very important topic, but along the lines of fans kind of going too far, we want to take it over to MMA and the notorious Conor McGregor. It's reported that he was, <laughs> I'm telling you, he was leaving a hotel, apparently a fan wanted to snap a picture of him because obviously it's Conor McGregor. If you're standing next to him, why wouldn't you want to take a picture of him? Well, McGregor, being McGregor, slaps the phone, sends it flying to the ground, and as if that weren't enough, he's going to stomp on it and then pick it up and take it. So, I mean, really, like, what is going on with Conor McGregor? I mean, because it seems like that really he, he built up to this big Mayweather fight and he made all this money, and then he's just kind of been in what seems like a downward spiral with all these violent charges against him, and, and of course, uh, losing to Habib a few months ago. So, like, what's going on with Conor McGregor? Well, I've got a couple thoughts on that, and then we'll shoot it over to Luke to see what he thinks. 
Uh, a few of my thoughts are, one, when a man loses his why, his drive, or if he feels like he has no sense of self or identity or worth, he lashes out to everything around him. And I think that Conor McGregor is having somewhat of an identity crisis because he lost the Mayweather fight. He was big. He got a lot of fame for that. But now lately, he's kind of been in the news for the wrong type things. And I can only wonder, is he starving for attention? Is he looking for people to affirm him? I mean, I don't know, because you asked a great question. Maybe he just has anger issues. Because I could see, like, if someone sticks a phone in my face, you know, my tendency might be to smack it, sure. But to follow it up by curb stomping it and then picking it up and running away with it, that just doesn't make much sense. That, to me, says something more about mental health than it does anything else, because why would you step on it and just take it? That, Luke, why would you do that? Well, my thing with it is this happened around about 5.20 a.m. So it's early in the morning. And I guess McGregor's not a morning person, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, well, I guess, you know, he's walking out and just trying to go on with his day and some fans coming up trying to take pictures with him. And my thinking with it is maybe he slapped the phone and he kicks it and he's like, oh, this guy may be recording that. He could post this on social media, and it's going to ruin my image. So then I think that's when he decided to take it and be like, well, now he can't he can't steal it, or now he can't post it. So, but then, you know, McGregor, I don't know what's up with him. And it's a fact because I've been a big fan of him. I love when he fights. And I do agree that, you know, it, it does seem like he lost a little bit of his, his passion. Cause, you know, he used to be hungry. He wanted that money, and then once he got it, it's almost like, man, what's, what's the point of fighting anymore? And so, I mean... But the UFC, they're at his, you know, everybody loves Conor McGregor in the years. Like, he has a whole country behind him in Ireland. So, you know, it's it's hard for the UFC to do so much because he's their biggest star and people will pay money to watch him. And it's just now it's where, is he going to get more punishment from this? You know, he just, he's on his six-month suspension from the after brawl of the, the Khabib fight. And he just got off of uh, his punishment from throwing the dolly in Brooklyn. So, you know. <laughs> It's sad because he can't, you know, he's always running into trouble. And I, I hate it from McGregor because I, I love him as a fighter, but, you know, I don't know what's up with him. Well, and here's uh, my thing with Connor, too, is he is so polarizing in the sense that he literally does not even have to win a fight, and he puts UFC on the map anytime that he's within that, like, anytime he's in that octagon. You know, and, like, oh, yeah. we saw that, like, obviously – Khabib is one of the big up-and-coming fighters. He was 27-0 and 0 last year. Uh, I mean, obviously, he, he is a great fighter. But, I mean, let's be honest. Everyone watched that because Conor McGregor was trash-talking, running his mouth, and they wanted to see McGregor back in the octagon. And, and it's the, the fact that the guy does not even have to win a fight and that he is single-handedly almost carrying UFC on his back, even through a six-month suspension, it, it's the most wild thing to me. No, you're right. But do you know what I think has just happened to me? I think what just happened to me is the same thing that happens with Conor McGregor. He piqued my interest for a little bit, but now I don't care. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, we're going to transition over it has been such a big 24 to 48 hours in the NFL. We've got 
so many guys that are reportedly getting signed and traded, you know, with the with the new league year kicking off today. Uh, I mean, guys, I really don't know where to start because I'm looking at the list and I see guys like Trey Flowers and Landon Collins and Anthony Barr and Tyran Matthew. I mean, so really, I'm just going to open this up. And Ben, since, you know, we, you were kind of done talking about McGregor there, I'll let you open this one up. What What's going on in free agency? What What intrigues you in the NFL? Well, okay, I've got to brag on myself a little because what else am I supposed to do on this podcast? A few episodes ago, all our fans out there, you can go and watch it. Actually, you can't watch it. You can listen to it. (laughs) The Raiders were in prime position to make big moves, to make big changes, to make big dollars because they had a lot of cap space. And now – a few weeks later, it's come full circle. And if I were to grade some teams, I would grade the Raiders with an A. The reason I would is because a lot of people didn't trust John Gruden, which I, I get it. He made some questionable calls. But you have to look how this is shaping up for them in the 2019 season. They have, now, correct me if I'm wrong, three first-round draft picks. Is that right? Yep. Yep. They've got three. Not only that, they have Antonio Brown. (laughs) Then also, they've acquired other free agents. I think two on the defense and then an offensive tackle. I mean, they are making monumental moves, which is phenomenal. And I think he knows what he's doing. And guys, I'm just telling you, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if Le'Veon Bell took his talents to the Oakland Raider Nation. Uh Uh-oh. And imagine how that would look. I know Luke's probably sitting over there going, no, he's going to the Jets. A lot of people are saying he's going to the Jets. I don't know if I believe that. Here's where I put Le'Veon Bell. First, I put him with the Raiders. I could see that happening. I could potentially see him with the Ravens or Jets. That's kind of my second tier. But here's my wild card. Are you ready for this? My wild card Mm -hmm. for Le'Veon Bell is the Green Bay Packers. Really? Here's why I think that Green Bay might make a play for him. They are getting towards the end of the Aaron Rodgers prime. They know it. He's got a couple, a few good years left, and then he's probably going to be done. So you're going to want to make a push for the Super Bowl. It's now or never. And yeah, you might have to give up a lot, but if you get Le'Veon Bell, and they've already made a huge, a lot of big moves in the free agency on the defensive side. So imagine that. Imagine they get Le'Veon Bell, where that puts the Green Bay Packers. And they get an even better defense. Woo! Also, fans, I made a prediction that the sleeper for to win the Super Bowl next year would be the Green Bay Packers. And if they pick up Le'Veon Bell, I'm telling you, you better watch out. Hey, your boy Benny G. Big, I called it. Stop. I was going to say, to have Aaron Rodgers and Le'Veon Bell in the same, like, on the same team, on the field at the same time, uh, to me, that's just not even fair. Like, that's almost like Golden State Warriors-esque. <laughs> so, Luke, Luke, NFL, what you got? What? So, we, we hear Ben obviously likes the Raiders, and, you know, he made the call they had the cap space. He's saying that watch out for Le'Veon and Green Bay. So, how about you, man? What, what you got? Well, I'll say this. I mean, I think we're just dreaming if Le'Veon going to the Packers, but now that would be awesome. Because when was the last time Packers had a legit rusher? I mean, I don't even know. I could, they haven't had a 
a great running back in years. So, I mean, that would that would be awesome. But I don't, I don't see it happening. But but it comes down to a Le'Veon. He tweeted the other day. I believe it was yesterday. He said decision, and I think it's come down to the Jets and the Raiders. And I think because the Jets they can offer him the most money, and the Raiders they also can offer him a lot of money. But I think he sees it as the Raiders. I can go play with my buddy AB, and I think we could win over here. Or do I want this bag and get all this money with the Jets? And so I think he's he's weighing that as his option. But I don't know. I mean, I think at the end of the day he can go to the Jets. You know, with the Steelers, he wanted his money. So I don't. But and it's hard for me. But that's to me though. I, the one who got his bag was Nick Foles. Man, that guy. He four years, eighty-eight million. <laughs> I mean, he it's good for him. I don't, I don't know about the Jaguars. I, mean, I, just, I just hope he's up next to Brock Osweiler when he left Denver. So, right. That's all I got to say with that. Yeah, so with me, uh, I, I'll tell you who my under-the-radar winning team is, is the Detroit Lions. And I kind of brought this up yesterday. But signing Trey wow. Flowers from New hey. England, you know, having a defensive end like that, um, that's big time. You know, and that's something that Detroit has been atrocious on in the past few years. Uh, and not only that, but signing Justin Coleman, who was in uh, Seattle last year. So their defense, they are really stepping up the game on defense. Now, do I think that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender this coming season? No, I, I don't think that they're there quite yet. Um, but they are making some moves to put themselves back into contention. Uh, of course, we see the Raiders. The Raiders have been just making stupid, you know, like stupid good moves, like getting Trent Brown tackle from – uh, the Patriots, which if anybody knows anything about pass protection, it's Bill Belichick and that offensive line. Um, snagging LaMarcus Joyner from the Rams. Uh, but some of the ones that kind of surprised me. So, of course, Anthony Barr kind of pump faked. And everyone was like, oh, you know, he, he's going to the Jets, he's going to the Jets, he's going to the Jets. And then it's like, ah, psych, I'm staying with the Vikings. And so he's reported at five years, $67.5 million. Um you know, and, and we look at some of these other guys, we still have some players that technically are available like and, and some decent players. So you, you think Golden Tate in Philadelphia, uh, he's an unrestricted free agent. Tevin Coleman in Atlanta is an unrestricted free agent. Um, you've got HaHa Clinton Dix in Washington, unrestricted free agent. Of course, uh, you know, the Saints kind of made their choice in running back. Um, and so they're they're not intending to sign Mark Ingram again. So Mark Ingram's kind of out there. Uh, so we've got a bunch of guys who, you know, whether it be defense, offense, or whether it be guys who were really good a few years ago or guys who have a tremendous upside coming forward, uh, I think that we are still in for a very, very exciting offseason leading up to the draft. Uh, and, I, and, you know, we're coming to the end of our time here, but I, we can't talk NFL without – just very briefly mentioning the draft. And just to kind of close this episode out, uh, we'll start with Ben, go to Luke. But if if you had to say Kyler Murray is going to be playing for blank next season, who is that going to be? Ben, we'll start with you. Oh, man. If Kyler Murray was playing for someone, who is it going to be? See, here, here's my question with him. Um, you know, he didn't get the best reviews when it came to his IQ and, you know, some of the tests that he took, the board tests. Um, and I know everybody keeps talking about the Cardinals, how they've been making moves and they're going to get him. Um, but here's my question. Are the Raiders happy with Carr? 
that and that's one that I try to keep going back to. And my my thought process is if they're going and getting a big time wide receiver like A B, to me, that that tells me like, hey, we're gonna spend elsewhere to put a nice supporting cast around Derek Carr. Not we're gonna go pay for A B and spend a first round pick on Kyler Murray to have to pay him as well. Right? I mean, that's why I keep telling myself, but something, I don't know, something just weird, it seems off. I hope that Carr is John's guy, but I just keep thinking back to last year. You know, he, he decided to keep him, but could you trade him, get some stuff, and maybe make a move for Kyler Murray? Maybe so. But if I'm a betting man, he's got to go to the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals, what, what, do you have, what else do you have to lose? Right. Not. My logic says, and everybody else keeps saying it's going to be the Cardinals, and logically they they can't go any further lower in the barrel. They just can't. Right. Luke, where's Kyler Murray going to go? Well, first of all, I want to speak on uh, my favorite free agent signing right now has been uh, Tyron Matthew. He went to the Chiefs. Oh, that's a good right, call. Right now, man, him and Eric Berry, man, they're two safety. That's. That's deadly right there. And so I, I meant to mention that earlier, but that, they're going to be great. So speaking with the Chiefs, I mean, I think they'll be back. But anyways, Tyler Murray, see, I'm so torn because, you know, the, I think the easy choice to say, oh, he's going number one overall to the Cardinals. But it's, I'm, I'm not sold because, you know, the Josh Rosen rumors are kind of stalled. It's cold. I don't know if he's going to get rid of him or not. But the team, if the Cardinals pass on him, and John Gruden passing on him. I think the Giants are going to take him. And him, Saquon, and OBJ, if they keep Odell, and that would be a nasty trio right there. I mean, that, that offense would be crazy. Right. And, I mean, it would be showtime in New York. So I would like to see that. But, I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll say Arizona, that's going to go. But I would hope he gets the Giants. So. Right. And, and you think Odell stays? Do you think Odell stays? See, and that's where I was getting at. I don't know. I don't know that they would draft Kyler Murray because Odell wants to be in the spotlight. And as soon as you draft Kyler Murray, you're taking the spotlight off of Odell Beckham. True, true. Yeah, I, thought, I, no, I think he's insane. I mean, the rumor is he may get traded to the 49ers, which would be awesome. That would be stupid. I mean, like that would just I, – I still – I'm not quite a Jimmy G believer. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just – I haven't seen a body of work that tells me that Jimmy Garoppolo like is the answer in San Francisco. Now I'm not sitting here saying that at number two overall they're going to be drafting Kyler Murray. I think that would be stupid for the amount of money they paid for Garoppolo. But I mean, giving giving him a nice target like Odell would certainly help him out. You know why? Yeah, I think so. What's that? Been here talking. This is going to be an episode for another time. But we have y'all seen The Grinch? It's a movie. I love movie references. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And in The Grinch. With Jim Carrey, uh, he sees the two caretakers and he goes, "Are you two still living?" And I think we need to do an "Are you still living?" NFL version where we talk about players like, "How are you still playing?" My first <laughs> one was Eli Manning. Like, how are you still alive? That's that's a miracle. Uh, it's just an act of God that he's even still on a football field. Oh, sure. <laughs> It's good and bad. I mean, we can even talk about Matt Bryant, who just recently went to Tampa Bay. Like, how are you still doing this? Yeah, that's – and not <laughs> just doing it – Yeah, not just doing it, but doing it well. Like, doing it really well. 
Well, he's got to be shooting something up. That man's got to have some <laughs> some of uh, some of Mike's special stuff back there or something. But anyways, well, guys, what's that? I said you put in the good word, and we'll do an episode tip. Dude, I'm telling you, we'll we're definitely gonna have to make that happen. So y'all look out. Ben called it once again. Another another Ben Garrison speaking it into existence. Hopefully soon we'll have a segment of yeah. The, what was it? Are you still alive? Is that what you called it? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you still alive? Uh, so, anyways, guys, thank you so much. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, Premium Sports Talk. Uh, you know, we're we try to keep you up to date, 24 hours a day with any of the big signings, trades that happen, as well as any other big news in the sports world. So, again, this has been Ben Garrison, Luke James. My name is Jacob Moore. We thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day, and we look forward to talking to you tomorrow.